We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented as always by WinBet. Check out WinBet, that's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T for all your sports wagering needs. Uh, plenty of wagering, of course, to be done on the greatest weekend in the NFL season. Divisional round playoff weekend coming up. Uh, make sure you check out WinBet, uh, see what kind of bets you can get off for those games. Uh, not a great NBA slate tonight, only two games uh, after the big MLK Day slate on Monday. Uh, so would not recommend betting Pistons, Warriors, or Timberwolves-Knicks. But hey, if you're into that, WinBet has it. Uh, we have a special guest on the pod today, a man I've been wanting to get back on the podcast for a very long time. Uh, did a couple of really fun episodes with him toward the end of last season. He is Kenny Ducey from NBC Sports Edge, uh, also writes for the Action Network, a few other places. Uh, if you're connected to the NBA world or the sports betting world, you've probably read Kenny, seen him on video, read his tweets, uh, very connected in that world. Uh, we had a great chat about a lot of NBA futures, spent basically the first half of the pod talking about the Knicks and the Clippers uh, as per usual, but dove deep on the title odds, the best values there, um, went maybe even deeper on MVP, talked a little coach of the year, a little rookie of the year, uh, but really fun discussion as always. Uh, disclaimer, we did talk about the New York Jets for the final seven or eight minutes of the podcast. So if you have kids in the car, maybe just consider cutting it out once we're done with the NBA talk. But uh, all in all, really fun episode. Hopefully we'll have Kenny on again soon and think you guys will enjoy this one. of the season somehow on the Roadwire NBA podcast. Kenny, I, I take full responsibility for this. Uh, you, you jumped on a number of times uh, over the second half of last season. We always have an awesome time uh, talking in hoops, but I've been busy. You've been busy. Uh, your job title has changed since the last time that we've spoken on the pod. Uh, you're now over at NBC Sports Edge, a contributor there, uh, also pitching in at the Action Network as well. Uh, you know, I haven't seen you on the DraftKings show in a very long time. You know, that's really where we where we became pals over these last couple of years. And frankly, you've been missed. 
Yeah, that that is that is where we became friends, and I you can call this my Kawhi Leonard episode. I'm finally here this season. It's gonna be it's it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take the ball and run with it. Um, we can talk about Clippers plus 3,500 to win the finals. Yeah, it's uh it it's good to be back. It's good to be back talking with you. You know, I think that uh, we always have a good time chatting hoops, and it's I uh, it, it's definitely been a grind this season. You know, with all the COVID absences and whatnot, uh, more so than others, to to keep up with what's going on around the league. But, you know, I, I, the, the one thing I will say is that the Hawks, the Hawks continue to, to get worse. So that makes me happy. Yeah, that's the Hawks who came back from a double digit deficit yesterday to beat Milwaukee. And we'll get to the Bucks in a little bit, but they've been hitting the skids uh, a little bit as well. Um, so I, before we get into NBA talk, like what, what is your new role now at NBC Sports? Like how much NBA are you doing versus other sports? I see your tweets. A lot of people see your tweets about the New York Jets. Uh, we could talk about the Jets if you want. Obviously, we're in the thick of the Knicks season right now. Um, but but how much NBA are you are you in now day to day relative to where you were at in the past? Well, now that tennis season is upon us, I'm I've scaled back a little bit on the NBA, but I'm I'm still doing you know I, I still do best bets a few times a week. I'm contributing. We actually have a cool thing over there with points bet. We have a, a parlay every Wednesday or. It is now Wednesday. The day changed, but you know, basically for nationally televised games, we've been trying to tailor it, um, where we'll just do like a, me and five other writers there. We'll do a, a six-leg parlay. We all take a prop or a side, or a, a, you know, a total, just any sort of bet on the game, and then points bet goes and boosts it. So we actually hit it last week, which was awesome. Uh, points bet is not launched here in New York, so I did not get to cash in, but I think it was like plus twelve hundred or something. Great, great bet. Um, I was a little worried because I took Harrison Barnes over one and a half threes and he started very slow. It was that Kings Lakers game. But uh, yeah, so so anyway, I, I contribute to that. We do some Twitter spaces. I do I, I do some articles every week and then over at Action Network, I'm still doing some game previews, daily best bets over there. I do video. I do uh, some video picks on Wednesday. So I stay involved. You know, I, I'm definitely very locked into tennis right now and I will be locked into baseball once baseball season comes. But um it, it is it is nice to to still be involved on a daily basis to kind of you know because I know it, it the, the late season put it's basically as, as soon as Kawhi Leonard comes back I'm gonna be so so invested and, and as soon as the the Knicks go 10 games over 500 so um I, I'm definitely very involved on a daily basis keeping tabs with the league and uh yeah I was I was really disappointed yesterday in in the Knicks they were terrible uh, they were awful I took them I, I thought it was a no-brainer especially once Lamelo got ruled out. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's not every day you see an NBA team shoot for 54% from the free throw line. So that was also special. I'll blame yeah, Eric. Hell of a game by Miles Bridges yesterday as well in that one. Yeah, that was, uh, well, that's also one, right, where the Knicks are, the Knicks generally don't have that happen to them. I mean, I, I was shocked by everything that happened. We Everything that we know about the Hornets is that they're they're soft up front, right? They don't rebound the ball. The Knicks had a terrible time rebounding. They could not stop Miles Bridges, and while Nerlens Noel wasn't in the lineup, that really hasn't stopped them whatsoever from being strong in the post all season. I mean, Taj Gibson and and Mitchell Robinson have done a decent job, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, this isn't the Knicks episode, but it certainly was an ugly game, and I was just so surprised that they got they got shredded on the glass and uh, and, and in the post by Miles Bridges because that's just that's just kind of an uncharacteristic look. So I, I that's why I actually. Uh, by the time people are listening, I'm sure that the Knicks will have lost by 17. But that's why I actually am on the Knicks tonight against the Timberwolves, because I, I think that every they played decent defense yesterday, and they're they've been the second best defensive team since Christmas. So 
I, I just kind of think it was a bad, a bad game. Everyone has off games and I think that uh, things will kind of correct themselves. Maybe they won't shoot 54% from the line. All right, you said it's not the Knicks episode. It's kind of the Knicks episode. It's not going to okay, be full good. on Knicks, but that's, right, awesome. that's the first item that I have here that I want to hit on. Um, you know, you, you kind of did a good job of, of introing, you know, where the Knicks are at right now. They're 22 and 22 through 44 games. It's kind of ironic that like three of the league's biggest brands, the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Lakers, have all had essentially the same season record-wise. Like it, it feels like the Lakers 22 and 22 has been like far more disastrous based on how everything has gone, but. I mean, it's not like the Celtics have done much better. The Knicks have kind of been, you know, like you said, it's you'll get one game above 500, then you're back to 500, then you're one game under. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of focus on the Knicks of those three. Where are you at expectations wise, you know, especially relative to, you know, I'm thinking those first two nights of the season, like when the Bing Bong video originated, I think that was opening night, right? Where they, they get a win, all that momentum from last season feels like it's carrying over. And then three weeks later, all of a sudden it feels like, you know, everybody on the team has taken a step back. Yeah, I mean that that's that's sort of a, a great broad overview. The the Bing Bong video, I was there that night, opening night. I mean that was a game. I, it should have been, it, it it should have been a warning sign. Instead, you know, we, we took it as a uh, Nick fans took it as a time to celebrate. But you know, they 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 were completely in control of that game against the Celtics, thanks to Evan Fournier, really. And um, all of a sudden, right, they let that they let that lead slip. They should never have gone to overtime. Then they went. Then they should never really have gone to a second overtime because they should have lost. They end up winning, but that was basically the highlight of the season, right? That was, at least so far. And then I actually had not been back to the Garden to watch a game until last week when they when they just slaughtered the Mavericks, which was a shocker because the Maverick we had just written something at Action Network about how how great the Mavericks were playing and how they had improved and all all these different segments in the article about you know why they've been better and then they just laid an egg and the Knicks absolutely roasted this defense that had been so good so yeah you know I have many thoughts about the Knicks I I will just say that I think things are finally turning uh, turning in the right direction you know the fact that ever since Christmas really and, and they've been winning games but you know more importantly they've been playing defense which to me is all that matters and you know, while they have lacked scoring, I think the Cam Reddish trade is a is a, was a no brainer. I mean, that was the one of the picks they got in the Porzingis trade. But also, you know, I, th- I think that that was an opportunity to add scoring on the wing, which they need. R.J. Barrett's just been very, very inconsistent when it comes to scoring the ball. And that's what I said about the Knicks, uh, w- which I would really, really say again, is that they're they're a flawed team. I don't think they're a bad team. I really don't think they're a good team. They're flawed. I think their jury's still out. Uh, or the, the jury's not still out. The jury's back out on Tom Thibodeau. I don't know if how many people are are really big believers in Tibbs anymore. Like, is he is he the reason that things are kind of going south? I know Randall has had a, a lot of struggles, but I, I guess what I would say is I, I think the reddish trade because that's the most recent news bit. It w- was was probably a, a good one for them to make because I have a friend who was clamor and all Nick's Twitter, by the way, if you're not plugged into Nick's Twitter, which I mean, you're missing a lot of great memes, but they, I feel like I'm semi plugged in. Yeah. I think everyone is to some extent because everyone follows Jesus, but I think that everyone wants miles Turner on this team. And what I kept telling my friend is like leading this. He it's funny. Cause he always blames me for the bad Twitter takes, but then he's like, you know, fueled by this big Twitter uh, movement to get miles Turner on the Knicks. He's like, they got a miles Turner. And I'm like, why, why do the Knicks need a stretch five 
he really the only reason people like him because he hits like one three a game like oh well he's a big man and he can hit threes like i just like what what is this 2014 like of course there's big men who can hit threes that's not the problem for the knicks i I know that mitchell robinson could like improve in some areas especially rebounding but give me a break like they need a wing score so that's why i was happy they got reddish i kept telling him i was like why don't why don't I, the, anybody, there's so many names out there that I get Reggie Bullock back. Reggie Bullock single-handedly won the Knicks a playoff game last year. Anything. If someone actually said in the stands that they thought Reggie, or my friend was was theorizing that uh that Reggie Bullock was tanking to get back on the Knicks. Because have you seen his three-point percentage? It's like under 30%. It's, it's terrible. And the guy, you could not, I mean, he could not miss a shot in game two against the Hawks last year. And the one thing, he's still playing good defense. I actually think that if the Knicks got Reggie Bullock back, they would they would make it probably through a playoff series. Well, you mentioned the Reddish trade. I did want to bring that up. I you know I, I think you said it was a no brainer. I, a lot of people called it a home run. You know you're getting rid of Kevin Knox, finally cutting bait on that. Um, I, I don't know that Cam Reddish is going to be good, but I think based on what you gave up and the few flashes that he's shown, plus the relationship with R.J. Barrett, I, I do think it was a complete no brainer for the Knicks. I mean the the, the Charlotte pick that, that you gave up, I think, was like top 16 protected, and it only escalates, you know, as we move along. So at worst, you're giving up like a, a mid first round pick. And and who knows, maybe that turns into somebody and you look back. Um, but that's one of those hindsight trades where at the time, I think it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, we'll see when Reddish actually plays. I, I know Tibbs was really vague about that uh, with the ankle injury that he's dealing with. But I, you know, I'll be surprised if Cam Reddish is a like massive contributor this season and he's averaging like 18 a game over the final 25 once he's healthy. Like I, I don't see that being the case, but basically to have a year and a half to just be a team that can take a chance on a guy like that, get him out of a bad situation in Atlanta where they had too many guys coming into the year, had too many guys at the time they traded him. I, I think it really was a no brainer for the Knicks. And again, I, I don't know that he's going to be the difference maker between losing in the first round and making a run to the Eastern conference finals, but Based on what you gave up, it's absolutely worth taking the chance on that scenario. Yeah, and and I think that I mean Atlanta's falling apart at the seams, but you're right. I mean they they really had no use for him. And when you look at the way that uh, you know he fits on this team, I think it's great. I mentioned that they need a a wing scorer, and they needed one badly. And while the the big knock on Reddish is that he doesn't play defense, th- that I mean, first of all that hasn't really been a concern for the Knicks. That they've been they've been great defensively. They figured it out. They that you know they they've They've figured out how to play Emmanuel quickly and get the most out of him on defense. But I, you know, I, I think that really it's going to fall on deaf ears or maybe it's just not going to make any sense, but it only, it almost reminds me of the Amari Cooper trade that the Cowboys made. I know it's a cross sports reference, but mm. it, it was sort of a situation where you have this guy who's got a great pedigree and people have basically had already made up their mind that he was not worth the draft capital that who was it? The Raiders gave up to get him or yep. whoever drafted him. I think it was the Raiders. Now, I, I do I, I do think that it was different in the sense that people made fun of – I made fun of personally the Cowboys for trading a first-round pick because it's very valuable in the NFL for Amari Cooper. But I, I, you know, no one in the world now would say that that was a bad trade. And I almost just feel it was a situation where he needed a change of scenery. He needed to go and do uh, an offense that really needed him. And I, I do think that you know this is a similar situation where Atlanta you know, had a great playoff run last year. But he's he's lost on that team. You get a good change of scenery. You you feel good. There also is obviously a, a, a non. There's always non-scientific elements. Like my boy Nick Kyrgios winning last night against Liam Brody. Everyone on paper said that Liam Brody was going to win because it, it was a terrible matchup for Nick Kyrgios. And then he um, 
just couldn't deal with the pressure. But I do think that there's, you know, we, we nothing's always black and white. Nothing's always as easy as the numbers. And like Cam Reddish, you know, playing with familiar people around him or one familiar guy, I guess in this case, I think that definitely helps. And if there's going to, if there's ever going to be a place that Cam Reddish shines and he was really good his whole life, really until he got to the NBA, even, I mean, he's not bad, but um, you know, he's not a superstar. I think it would be here, right? It makes perfect sense. It's a contender. It's a, an opportunity for a fresh start. So I, I think that it works. And again, really the Knicks are, are hurting. I mean, Burks is not a, a three, right. And Barrett's been very inconsistent scoring the ball. I, I think that there's really an open spot for him to, to earn like 25, 30 minutes a game and, and score. And they need someone who's going to score because they've seen, they look now like they did last year on the defensive end, which I think is okay. very important. And that was the most troubling thing for me early was, they stopped playing defense this season for some reason, and th they're back to playing it now. But for the first half of the year, if you want to call it the half, because Christmas is, I don't know if yep. that's the first half, but first part of the year anyway, th they were they were giving up a, a ton, a ton of uh, big games, and especially opposing guards, which you never thought they would really be an issue because they defended the three so well last year, and they have quickly. It, it was bad. So I think a combination of maybe getting Kemba out of there and getting uh, you know, some of their youngsters like Quentin Grimes back into the lineup. I think it's really, really helped that defense. And if the defense isn't a problem right now, I think it can certainly withstand Cam Reddish coming onto the team. Yeah, Knicks are second in defense since Christmas. So you're spot on about that. I mean, they've been right back to where they were last season over the last 20 games. They have a, a net rating at 2.0 right now. That's 12th in the league in that span. And I, I think if you look at the standings and how things have shaken out, over the last month, that all that all makes sense. That all adds up. Um, I mean, they're 22 and 22. They're in 11th place in the Eastern Conference. I think when you look at it that way, it feels like a disappointing season. But you're also two games out of seventh place, which is the Hornets right now. And and especially in the Eastern Conference, and I think this is also true uh, to to a large degree in the West, but more so in the East, it, it really feels like everybody's having a disappointing season, right? Like I, I still don't know that we, we have a great read on on most of these teams, like with the exception of Cleveland. In the East and Chicago in the East, you know, maybe Miami, based on how many injuries they've had to still be in second place, feels pretty good. But, you know, it feels like kind of a disappointment for the Nets, kind of a disappointment for the Bucks. The Sixers kind of floating around. You know, the Wizards started hot. Now they're basically 500 team. Same with Toronto. Same with Boston. You mentioned Atlanta, who's seven games under 500. Um, it's just it's been a really weird year. So I, I think unlike a lot of the last few seasons, you know, these last 15, 20 games, we're going to see crazy movement. You know, we're going to see a team that maybe is in ninth, 10th, 11th right now end up finishing as high as like fourth or fifth in the East if things break right. Like everybody's so bunched up in that middle zone. I was just saying this the other day, like what happened in the NBA? It doesn't make any sense. We no, had all these, we had all these, exactly, especially the Western Conference is garbage. The Western Conference used to be the class of the NBA for like, for like the last 10 years, like, I just don't know what happened. We have all James Harden. Is James Harden like going to get traded? Like what, what, you know, Kyrie Irving is playing half the games. The Warriors can't play offense anymore. They, you know, it, it's taken them a long time to get Clay Thompson, you know, readjusted to that team. They really, it turns out they really needed him. Um, <laughs> like it is just, it, it is a nightmare all over the top of the, of the league. And I agree with you. Like there's going to be a team. Maybe it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe it's the Knicks. I don't know who it is, but there's going to be a team that rises up here and makes it to the conference finals that was just not supposed to be there. And I, I, I totally, I could not agree more. That's why if you are a fan of of the Knicks or the Hawks or like the Hornets, even like you, you gotta have faith that you, you got some, 
you got some winning times on the horizon because I just I, I don't think that I think all these teams can be beat. You know, we obviously we're seeing the, the recent struggles with the Bucks and the Warriors have kind of been kind of been on and off. Um, you know, obviously the Jazz that Rudy Gobert had to call out the Jazz again last week, you know, you know like Rudy Gobert does and the Bulls are are now all of a sudden a nightmare. Like I, I, I'm telling you, man, that's why I'm just taking the Clippers plus 3,500. Why not, man? Why not? The Clippers are going to win the finals this year. I know it. If Kawhi comes back, I don't hate it. I, I, it's not. I, it's I not even an back. if. It's 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 a it's a he is coming back. He is coming back. And even without Kawhi, I got news for everybody that 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 Clippers team. It was a it was a travesty. We talked about it on the pod too. Travesty what happened to that team in the playoffs last year. They should easily have beaten the Suns and gotten to the 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 finals because they had the one I think it was what game four when Paul when they had uh when they it was tied for like five minutes and the Clippers could didn't score for five I don't forget what happened but like they they bungled that entire series they easily were the better team I thought um and and even game one they almost stole right they almost stole game one on the road against the Suns so I mean that was without Kawhi. Now Kawhi comes back. You're, we're talking about a, a trash Western Conference right now. I, I just, I think it's, it's a. I mean, I'm a big Clippers fan from what what I saw last year when I saw it at Ty Lue, and and I'm obviously biased. Like I just, I just, for some reason I love this team, but I, I just, I, I think why not them? It could, it could be anybody. These are crazy odds, and I, I just, the Kawhi injury happened happened you know almost a year ago or i guess not i guess really not almost a year ago seven months ago but yeah i mean i i don't understand what happened in the nba either where where now all of a sudden knee injuries are like two-year layoffs like I, I get being careful but i also think that there's an element of being too careful with guys and you gotta Kawhi's got to get back into game shape and 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 you know get revved up for the playoffs so i i think that was their goal is to get him back for the playoffs so i definitely feel that he's going to be back during the regular season Especially from what we're hearing. Right. Well, I'm surprised that the odds haven't changed. They've basically been at 35 to 1 or somewhere in that range the entire year. And and we got a, a fairly positive Kawhi report a couple of weeks ago and they didn't budge. I, I don't know if that's because at the same time, you know, we get this kind of vague inclination that maybe Paul George won't come back at all. I, I don't believe that. I, I think he's going to be back at some point. Um, and even if you have a diminished version of Paul George, if you have fully healthy Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs, that changes everything. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I'm, I'm not quite ready to lay the money down because I want to see Kawhi Leonard on a basketball court. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, Boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball. 
and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes who have the biggest impacts on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. That will give you access to everything on our website, not just our NBA content, all of our other sports, a ton of value wrapped up in that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can go about claiming your free RotoWire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, step three, play in your first paid contest and then you'll receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Thrive Fantasy, check it out. The NBA season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to go big on daily fantasy basketball this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests, which are now shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS, as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. Yahoo will have daily NBA contests all season long as well. Play a single game contest of your choice throughout the week. Then join Yahoo's weekly Friday main NBA contest to compete for large cash prizes. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer and get started today. And we could transition this right to looking at title odds, something I'm sure you've spent a ton of time on with Action Network this season. I like the Clippers at 35 to one. I've been on Milwaukee all year. They're the team that to me, I, until recently, I felt was the most bulletproof. You know, they, they could lose a few games, but there was always, you could always point to something. It was either half the benches on the COVID list, you know, they, they played like one game all year with their full rotation. Obviously, Brooke Lopez has missed all but one game. Uh, but man, they've looked terrible lately. They've lost four out of five. They've blown big leads, which is not characteristic of the honest led Bucks. I, I think the most recent excuse you could say is, well, Drew Holiday has missed six games in a row. Um, you know, that to me, I, that still doesn't excuse you from like losing back to back against a Hornets team that has the worst defense in the league. Um, I mean, they're three and 10 without Drew Holiday this season. And, and some of those other losses have had other caveats, but that's a concerning number to me. I mean, I, I, I like Drew Holiday a lot. He means more to this team, I think, by far than anyone else besides Giannis. But three and 10 without that guy, I, I, I thought Milwaukee would be would be a lot more consistent than that. I mean, I agree. I also I, I know it, it, it's funny. It's like really just a, a true Nick and Kenny podcast. We're talking about the Bucks and the Knicks the whole time. But I, I think I that I look. I mean, we. I knew going in we were going to talk about the Bucks, and you knew going in we were going to talk about the Knicks and um, the Clippers, and the Clippers, of course. I, you know, I, I, I'm not really that worried about the Bucks. I, I do think that there's a lot of value on their on their odds right now because I agree with you that I, I sort of felt like they were the best team, the most bulletproof team, and. I'm just not worried because they have, I mean, I, I think it's more than just true holiday. And I think a lot of those games as well, the three and 10 record, you know, you're, you're talking about that four game losing streak. They didn't have Dante DiVincenzo. They didn't have Pat Connaughton. They didn't have George Hill for some games. Um, you know, uh, Grace Allen as well. Like they just had no backcourt. And I, I just, I think that that really threw a wrench into their rotation. And I, I think it's, I mean, I look. I, I admittedly have not. I I did watch that that game against Golden State when all the guys came back. So admittedly, I'm maybe not as plugged into the Bucks as you are. But 
from afar, it, it really felt like the absences of the entire backcourt was what you know were to blame really for all the losses piling up. And I think the Brook Lopez thing, you know, is, is pro- probably part of it as well. I know he's like not good, but he's also just a big body down there, right? And they sort of lack that. Like we saw them during their COVID outbreak bringing back Boogie Cousins or bring in Boogie Cousins, not back. And so I'm I'm sure while he's not the sexiest name out there, he would certainly help as well. But I, I don't know. I think that much like the Clippers, you know, you just you assume they're going to be healthy playoff come playoff time, and they'll be they'll be fine. They'll be right there. And I I think that they have just as good a shot as anybody else. I I know that the Nets have you know Kevin Durant, and they'll have Kyrie Irving for like half the games or whatever. I mean, maybe he'll they'll be back for all the games, but um, I don't know. I I I'm st- I'm still just like I'm not I'm not there yet with them. I'm not like yeah. Let's get really excited about the Nets plus 245. Like, that's just, I think that's a little ridiculous at this point. Well, that's what I was going to ask is I, I get the sense that, you know, you're not that high on the Nets. I mean, do you, do you think they should still be the favorites? And if so, like, you know, where should that number be realistically? Like, to me, plus 245 versus 7 to 1 for Milwaukee, 7 to 1 for Phoenix. I, I think that's too big of a gap given the uncertainty. Yeah, of Kyrie, it's, it's insane. Kevin Durant is it, injured. It really is insane. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I would I would set them at plus 500. I think that that's a very reasonable thing to say, or plus 400, I guess, if you're gonna say the Warriors are plus 475. I'm just looking at the DK odds, but um, I I you're I mean you're absolutely right. I don't I don't understand, I don't understand how this team is that much better than the Bucks and the Warriors. Frankly, I mean, the way that all these teams have played at the top, you you would expect the Warriors would be the would be the favorites, right? Because obviously, you know, recency bias be damned. They've probably had the best regular season and they've been there before. And, you know, they have, they're well coached. They have Steph Curry and Draymond Green and now Clay Thompson's back. I'm surprised that they're not closer to where the Nets are. And that's why I'm surprised the Nets are plus 245. You'd think that they'd come back a little bit and the Warriors would be, would be nearing, nearing being level as almost a co-favorite. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one to, to really figure out. I think I don't, I don't, I just don't love the role players on the Nets either. I, I know that, I mean, I'd go on a rant about the Nets and and whatever, but like, I, I, it's it's really bizarre to me how people just assume like this this roster's had so much turnover, and I think that there's this there's this like you know subconscious assumption that like this is like just you know that they they've always had this great great young core and good winning culture like that's why the that's why Durant and Kyrie Irving went there. This is a this is a team that's filled with rookies and, you know, Patty Mills like that. They're filled with Patty Mills as Kessler well. Edwards. Yeah. Like, I, you know, they're cool. Like some of these guys could be nice, you know, um, some of these guys would be good, but like, remember everyone made a big deal. It's like, it reminds me of like Norris Cole, you know, it's like, Oh man, like Cam Thomas, that guy's going to be a thorn in our side for 10 years. And then like, he's out of the NBA in three years. Like I, when it's playoff time and you're relying on DeAndre Bembry to play, you know, 30 minutes off the bench as your six man, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I just don't know. I just don't think this team has, has, has the, uh, has the depth to really make it, make it through a playoff run, especially like with the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving, you basically have to just treat him as if he's, he's not going to be part of this team or part of the team for, you know, what I mean, what I guess only four of the seven games in a seven game series. It's it's I'm just not that excited. I'm not that excited about this team. It, it's not an exciting team out, outside of their big three. And and when you're talking about, you know, 
I, I actually I do like Nick Claxton. I should say that, but that's oh, yeah. that's the only person I actually think is like would like give them valuable playoff minutes. Even him, like I, I was watching a net game recently, and 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 they were talking about like how they wanted to get more out of him. So I, I don't even know what's what's going on with this team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It does feel like they're getting 2017 Warriors levels of respect, you know, which was a team that had won multiple titles that added Kevin Durant to that core. And it feels like everything has gone wrong basically for the Nets since this team came together. And none of that respect has worn off. And I get, I mean, they were probably going to at least make the finals, if not win the finals last year, if Kyrie and Harden aren't hobbled in that Buck series. I totally acknowledge that. Like the Bucks were going to lose that series. So we yeah. have seen them, you know, dominate when everybody's together. But I mean, I, I think there are more risks around this team now than there were going into the playoffs last year when two of those three guys were banged up. And I, I just like the Kyrie situation, especially. I mean, maybe maybe the odds makers know something that we don't as far as, you know, regulations potentially changing between now and June. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's baked into this. But even if it's not, I mean, it's, it's not like Kyrie Irving has been the most dependable player health-wise or, or defensively, even, you know, dating back to his days with the Cavs. Like, it just, it doesn't seem like nearly as much of a lock 
as, as the yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. And last year, I totally, I mean, I, I think it's it's always foolish of us to, I, I just said the words recency bias a few times on this podcast. Obviously, I remember last year that this team looked like they were going to just win the final. They wouldn't even lose a playoff game. It, it, it really did feel like that early on in the playoffs. I, I was like, wow, this team is going to cakewalk to the finals. Whoop-de-doo. Awesome. So happy that the Nets are doing this. Um and, you know, I, so they might have they might very well have won the finals last year. But I, I just I think that, like you said, with Kyrie Irving, not, not only the vaccination situation, but also, you know, you he's been hurt so much in his career and he's he's older. And he also is I, I, I know that it on paper, you're just like, OK, well, he plays half the games. I mean, it, you, you know, there there is a rhythm that your body has to get into. And like, I just feel like him stopping and starting all this all this time is is not going to. It's not going to bode well for him, not only with, you know, with, with how he's the game's coming to him, but also just injury wise. Like, I think that there's, there's a higher risk for injury there. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I am a doctor, so I can say that, but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just a weird one. It's a really weird one to me. And I, I also just feel like that you're talking about that Warriors team. Like they had, you know, Sean Livingston coming off the bench was a real difference maker. They had like Leandro Barbosa even was giving them good minutes and, I I do think there's something to be said for needing those old heads and you know, they have plenty of them. Right. But they're not even seeing the floor. Like Paul Millsap probably is just going to retire before the playoffs start. James Johnson's just out there to, to start a fight. And LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, I guess he, he's capable of, of getting a double double for them in the playoffs or something like that. But, you know, I just feel like these old guys on the team are just not really, I mean, they, 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 they're not really doing anything. They know. Like there's a difference between having veterans who who are contributing, like the Knicks with Taj Gibson gives them excellent minutes, you know, or the Warriors, like I was just talking about. The Warriors had all all these great veterans giving them like important minutes. Andre Iguodala hitting big shots. These guys are there, but they're not really doing anything. And and I just I don't know. I, I also think that when Joe Harris comes back, it's gonna be it's gonna feel different. Like Joe Harris is a really yeah. important player for them, and I and I am also acknowledging that. But I, I just I think that the 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 Warriors are a very dangerous team. I think when we get to the playoffs, and there's plenty of other teams here, like I like my Clippers. You know, what, what we didn't even talk about the Clippers. We just started devolving into the Eastern Conference. We got to talk about Eric Bledsoe being so good, and Reggie Jackson. The last two years has been an impact player for them, and I just, I, you know, that 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 is a deep team, man. That is a team that will pull Brandon Boston Jr. off the bench. And win a game, and like I just think there's something so important, so valuable about a team like that. We saw it with with Nick Nurse and the Raptors years ago, and and the Warriors. We were just talking about there's something to be said for going to the end of your bench and just getting huge minutes and withstanding injuries. And I think it's really important, honestly, that that the you know the Clippers are playing right now without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because while they're not like going on a tear, they are winning games, they are staying afloat, and we're seeing how good the rest of this team is. I think it's, it's at least like a, a, a you know, a seven, it, this team without George and Leonard is still like a, maybe the eight seed, right? Maybe a seven or eight. That's, seed. That's I think they right, have an, right. And, and I, I, I think that that's fair. I think that's a good place to put them in. Like with the, would the nets be the seven or eight seed without, without Durant and, and Harden? Like, I don't really, I think they would be one of the worst teams in the NBA. So I don't know. I, I know that's not really a necessarily a fair comparison uh, or a fair game to play, but I do think that they're very reliant on those guys. It's scary if Kyrie Irving gets hurt again. It's scary if Durant gets hurt. We just saw him get hurt, right? Um, it's 
it's a it's a tricky game to to just lay the, the nets as a favorite like that i love that this started with are the nets overvalued at plus 245 and you brought it all around back to this is why you should bet the la clippers at 35 to 1 yeah that, that is the, that is what it. i want people to know that is what i want people to have done after listening to this podcast like okay i put 50 bucks on the clippers to win the finals and then when we when they win it we, I can come back on the podcast and we can talk about that time that I said everyone take the Clippers right now plus 3,500. That's just that's just to me the only future bet I'm making right now is, is that. And you, you can you can make fun of me all I want, but you know for for betting on a team that has Eric Bledsoe playing heavy minutes and I I just I we know that Ty Lue's a great playoff coach and you know we know that Mike Budenholzer's not. We know that Steve Kerr is. You know, I I just think that there's a few teams up here that are that are worth our attention, and there's also a few teams worth fading. And I I really think the Nets are just incredibly overvalued. All right, before we look at some of the individual odds, can I sell you at all on the Denver Nuggets at 55 to one getting Jamal Murray back at some point in the near future? Sure, sure. Why not? Right? Why not? We, we saw them do more with really less last postseason. They were they were a big thorn in my side because I was fading them and Austin Rivers was was making me pay, um, which I just I just still can't believe. Um, so yeah, still I think. Big minutes for them. Yeah, I mean he's he's good and he's not even 30 yet. Um, he's still got potential. Yeah, I, sure. I mean you could set, you could definitely sell me on the Nuggets. I I think that they got some. Obviously they have a star and they got some talent and you know like uh like I was just talking about they have depth. I think that they have enough depth to, to win. So we were just talking about how it's going to be a team, right? That comes out of that, that, that region or that, that area of the, of the, uh, of the odds. So why not them? I, I can, I'm completely with you there. Who else do you like? Who else are we betting on? I mean, I think Phoenix at seven to one, there's still a decent amount of value there. They've been the better team than Golden State. I mean, Golden State is, is like basically 20th in net rating since Christmas. I, I, I think, you know, Curry being in like now a 25 game slump has gone way under the radar. I, I still, you know, I, I don't, I don't love Golden State. You know, I, I, I understand why they're basically five to one plus 475 at DK, but I, it still feels like they're, they're one piece short. And I, maybe, the, maybe you cash in, you know, some of those young players and, and you add something else. But I mean, unless Clay gets to the point where he is 2016 Clay Thompson on both ends of the court, I, I, I'm not quite getting, you know, like peak pre-Durant Warriors vibes from this team. Like I, I think I would pick if it, if it was Suns Warriors in the Western Conference, and I know you think it's going to be Clippers, whoever, but if it's Suns Warriors, I would pick the Suns in that series. I would, I, I would not pick the Suns in that series. Okay. That's all I will say. I, 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 look, I think that there's, I mean, we're seeing that there's problems with the Warriors and I'm, I'm certainly one of these, I, what, what I'm, I'm acknowledge, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, like not acknowledging. <laughs> what what is I, I it? Think uh, you can go with acknowledging. I'm wise. I'm wise to the fact that the Warriors have issues, but I, like we just thought all these teams have issues, and like they do. I don't know. I think they still. I I think they 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 have the MVP and they'll be they'll be fine. I mean they they play defense. Mm-hmm. They might not. I I don't. I mean I, they might not win the finals, but I I would think they would beat the Suns. I to me the team that we're not talking about that we should talk about is definitely especially with the Sacramento uh, with what's happening. No. Um, is, is the Sixers. Yeah. They might, they might, they might be a team. They might be a team. And 
Tyrese Maxey has been really, really good. If we're going to talk about, you know, the Nuggets getting Jamal Murray back, like, I mean, I, I know that Jamal Murray has been there and done it in the playoffs. And he's been he's been an all-star, right? Jamal Murray? I don't know that he has. He might be in that C.J. McCollum territory or Mike Conley territory where it feels like he should be, but the West has been too strong. I will verify that while you speak. I, I'm looking right now. I'm, I, I definitely know that Mike Conley has been because they made that ridiculous top right. shot moment for him. Murray um, is not. No, he's not. So, I mean, are we at the point where we can say Tyrese Maxey is as good or better than Jamal Murray? I don't think so. I don't think we can. I think, I think oh. we're getting close, though. Oh, Dude, he hasn't even played 100 NBA games. I I think I think that he could easily be right by the time both these guys are back on the floor in the playoffs. I I don't know. I just I think he's an electric scorer. I, I I'm it's we've we everything we've said we've qualified with. I do like look. I do remember last year. I I've been the biggest Jamal Murray guy ever since Kentucky. I I thought they should have gone even higher in the draft, but. Like I, I just I know I, I just love what I'm seeing with Tyrese Maxey. I just think he's an he's an amazing scorer, and it is wild to me how you know the handicap with the Sixers was like you know how are they gonna are they gonna take a hit without Simmons or is it gonna be better or worse? Like I think it's unequivocally now better that they don't have Ben Simmons. I know that he brought so much to, to the defensive side of the ball, but like I think it's pretty clear they were just lacking another score. Um, and and now that they have someone who can fill it up from outside, they have all those shooters. And they have Embiid. I, I I'm cautiously walking into the water uh, on the Sixers. Like I'm just I'm I'm dipping my toes in there. I I know that there's I I hate I hate Doc Rivers. I think he's a I think he's a bad coach. But like man, this team and they, they in theory this is how you would want it. I think this is how I would want my team to be constructed. The only thing wrong with this team is that they have Tobias Harris starting at the four. To me, this is almost a perfect team if it weren't for Tobias Harris. Be just being being paid. I mean, that is the worst contract in basketball, yeah. in my opinion, or one of the worst. But I mean, if you think about it, they have a great wing defender in Thibel. I mean, and obviously, once all these guys are healthy, and they have they have gotten healthy over the last month, which is why they've been playing well. They have a great point scoring point guard. They've got bench shooters like you know, they got Korkmaz, um, and, and you know Danny Green as well, right? Danny Green is is has been you know he's had some good games for them. Obviously, Seth Curry. So I don't know. I just think you got you got wing defense, a, a guy that can really guard a lot of positions. You've got uh, some great scoring at the guard position, and then you have freaking Joel Embiid. I, I just, I, in theory, this is this is a team that that should be right there in the conference finals, and maybe have enough to get over the edge now that they you know they they don't have a point guard that turns into a piece of origami during the playoffs or whatever. I don't know, piece of paper, fold. You know, I, I was trying to make a joke. No, I, I see what you're doing. There. I like it. I mean, they're they're what. Fifth in offense, fourth in defense since Christmas. So, I mean, you're spot on with all that. And I think the best sign for Philly is they're playing their best basketball of the season with Tobias Harris still not giving them that much. And I, I don't know that I would go as far as to say he's the worst contract in basketball, but the way that we view these these max deals now, he's in that conversation. Like if you're if you're making max or near max money and you're not a no doubter all-star, it's almost a bad contract by default. And it's especially bad when you're shooting 31% from three and your field goal percentage is down six points from last season. Um, I mean, they needed him to be a like 20 to 24 point per game scorer this year with what you're losing from Simmons. And he simply hasn't been that. And they're still playing really well and they're ascending. Well, a lot of these other teams in the East, it feels like are, are faltering or are dealing with injuries. The thing that, that I think sells me most on Philly though, is the promise 
that you could still get something for Simmons. Like right now, all you've done is removed Simmons so, from yeah. the equation. You all you've done is removed him. It's not like you traded him and what you got back for him is helping you to this nice stretch that you're in. It's like he's still sitting there giving you absolutely nothing. And even though at the end you might have to, you know, you might not get James Harden or Damian Lillard or Brad Beal, you're still going to get a really nice prize for Ben Simmons if they decide to trade him at the deadline. I mean, even if it's somebody like, I don't know, Karis LeVert or, or McCollum or whoever that is, like, you know. <laughs> that would be you, crazy you, if they trade him for I mean, look, Karis LeVert. That would be wild. Right. right. No, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, he, he, Karis LeVert is probably more useful to this team than Ben Simmons. I get it. Right. And I don't think Maury's going to crack. It would be hilarious if after playing hardball for six months, he settled on Karis LeVert. But you know what I mean? Like, there, there's the right. potential to add two or three, you know, based on, depending on how you work that trade eventually. I mean, you could, this team could get a lot better between now and the Eastern Conference playoffs. So I, I actually yeah. do like that bet quite a bit. No, I, I wish I would have thought I totally about that one over Denver. No, I, I totally agree. I, I like them and, and I like the Clippers. And well, I the, just the think the question is, do they make a trade? I don't think they do. I think they play hardball and they end up maybe harming themselves long term. It, it depends on what you can ultimately get. I think I think what happens is if this if this keeps up and the league's parity. I mean, if, if we just continue to see this type of parity and you know, maybe I mean I I'm not saying I'm wishing this will happen or just it's weird to talk about, but like what like what if you know Kevin Durant suffers another major injury or he's out for the season and there, there's a clear path there for the Sixers to get to the finals. Like I could definitely see them just cracking and going, okay, well let's just trade for anybody at this point. Maybe the Nets are willing to to trade away James Harden in that scenario. I I don't know. Um, I I do know that if they just got a point guard like we were just talking about, this is a very scary team, and I know that they're trying. <laughs> I know they're trying to package together. I loved the the Kyle Kuzma tweet when it was like they wanted to package together Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, and he's like, "Who is like, who are you trading that amount of money for? Like, who? How does that? How do you make a deal like that work? Who is coming? Right. And I have a friend who's a Sixers fan. He's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna throw Tobias Harris in there with the Simmons. It's like, dude, that's that's like, what is it? Like sixty million dollars? Like, who? Who? Like, how are you making that deal work? Are you getting Kevin Love back? Like, I. So I don't know. It's uh, it it's weird, but. I do feel like this team would be really good if they just like threw Thibault at the small ball right. force. I, don't know, I guess he's I actually not that he's not that big, but yeah, I mean, I, I just this could be a really scary good team, or even just like put Curry coming off the bench, and there's a lot of possibilities. But yeah, I agree. Like I think you're right about mm-hmm. the fact that they could just they could we have to remember they could just get somebody before the playoffs and get a lot better. And I did I did look up some bad contracts while while we were uh, right after that because i know someone's like punching their laptop screen or like throwing their phone because i didn't mention like john wall or russell westbrook you know what i mean like they're just they're like awful con we we all know that they're awful contracts out there but i honestly like i the only contracts i would say are worse are 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 love and wall and then i i guess i guess westbrook too i don't know berton's gonna still be fine like i don't think that's that bad of a Mm -hmm. con I don't know. They they have a weird team now. They have they have way too many guys up front with Hachibura and and, uh, and Thomas Bryant back. But I, the last thing I want to do is steer us down. Like, what do you think is going to happen with the Wizards front court over the next couple of weeks? That that is not a topic I want to touch. Let's go to MVP real quickly. And I, I don't have a ton to say here because it just it feels like all these guys, with the exception of Joel Embiid, who has quietly charged up the list and is now thirteen to one at the DK Sportsbook. It feels like he has the most momentum out of anybody right now. Uh, John Morant also up to 14 to one. That's that's a massive jump from where he was at even a week or two ago. Steph Curry is still the favorite at plus 150. But like I said, I mean, it, he's still I, I feel like he's coasting off of a really hot start when the Warriors, you know, were like 15 and one or whatever they were early on. Like, obviously, he was he was the engine driving that. But I mean, now half of his season, he has just not been good. His last 20 games, 
He's shooting 37.7% from the field, under 35% from three. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that hasn't really caught on mainstream-wise. Giannis, plus 330. You know, he's still playing really well, but the Bucks have slipped up a little bit lately. Jokic kind of in the same boat. You know, the Nuggets are right around 500. The, the numbers look really good. He's still competing against himself from last year. I, I don't really know where, where this sits right now. It felt like Durant was in a good position to maybe back his way into this as just the most consistent guy night to night. Um, but now with him maybe missing a month and a half, that could knock him out of the race. Like, where do you lean here in terms of who you think wins as of now and who your favorite dark horse guys are betting wise? Well, first of all, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at updated odds from January 17th here because I, I I don't even know what book this is or this this is DK. But yeah, I mean, because they're not up right now. Um, okay. But, you know, I, I think I think that it, it is a really weird situation because. Obviously, the the Durant situation, he's probably out of MVP at this point. Um, and then, you know, Steph Curry. I think everyone. I I, I I almost thought he was minus minus money at one point this year. Was he? I mean, he was pretty close. I believe I remember, he was. Yeah, like I think that early on in the season, maybe like a month ago, he was he was at minus. So that that's definitely interesting that it, it's it's kind of come back a little bit, which makes sense. I mean, it's I think it's pretty ridiculous as we know. You know, it's not like this is a scoring title or something mathematical. It is all dependent on voters, right? So if this guy has two great months and then two bad months, you know, right, right before the the voting happens, like people are going to be like, Oh, well, they're not really going to remember that Steph Curry was really good to start the season or they will, but they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, it kind of just feels like it's in beads to it. I, I think along the same lines with what we're talking about with the Sixers, and I know that the odds are probably different now because Embiid was plus 1,600 here. And now that the Sixers went on this winning run, um, he's probably even lower. But I, I think that that is maybe where you want to go uh, just because I think that the, the, the Sixers are going to finish the season strong. I think that they're a good team. I also, as you said, with Jokic, like I, I could get behind Jokic as well just because when Nuggets get Murray back, they're obviously going to they're gonna get a little bit better. But playing this market, I definitely think you want to look at Who's gonna Who's gonna have a really strong second half? And there's really just not a lot of names here that are very attractive besides you know the top guys like you know Curry obviously is a deserving favorite. I could get behind Jokic. I could get behind Embiid. But like John Morant, I, I don't know if the Memphis Grizzlies are are gonna continue to get better. Uh, I mean they might just they might, I mean they're gonna make the playoffs. They're they're good right now. But is John Morant really playing better basketball than Curry, Giannis, and Jokic are going to be playing like in a month? No, I don't. I don't think he's ever going to be better than them. Uh, not 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 in his career. Just like months from now, you know what I'm saying? So, just that that's how you kind of have to take bets on MVP. And I think I think right now it would be it, it's interesting to take Embiid. That's probably the only bet I would make. And I would probably think about maybe dipping down all the way to like. Um, I don't know, like maybe James Harden now. Maybe James Harden's a guy you take because Kyrie Irving's a part-time player and Durant's out. Maybe, maybe the Nets go. I mean, look, the Nets went on a big winning streak when they lost Joe Harris. They weren't covering spreads, but they went on a big winning streak, and they've they've won with no one on the roster. They've won with Kessler Edwards starting. They could certainly win with James Harden at the helm, and maybe James Harden is the reason why they they stay up at the top, and he puts up big numbers, and he wins MVP. So that that's that's not that crazy to maybe bet on him. But outside of that, it it's like the guys on the Bulls. It's kind of we're kind of done with that. LeBron's not going to win MVP. Uh, so I'm not know. close to the book on LeBron. 
He's not going to win okay. it, but he's, he's there's going that narrative is going to be there. All they need to do is string together like five straight wins at some point, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen with how this team is constructed. But the numbers are going to be there. The he's 37 years old narrative is always going to be there. I don't I don't think he's going to I don't think the Lakers as a team are going to be good enough to actually propel him into real contention. But the way that the the race is shaping up, the way we're talking about it, like if ever there was a year for LeBron to to be able to find his way into the conversation on a 500 team. It's this year. There's just not really another compelling candidate. Right. I'm with you. On You're Morant. very right. I love I love John Morant. He's not the MVP of the league. You know, yeah, this, that, this that's what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. And it's like it doesn't have to be. It's just it's just that simple. I love right. John Morant, too. I think that John, John Morant. Morant. He, but right. We're not knocking John Morant, but he's absolutely not like he's just not better at basketball than Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so. Right. It's going to have to take a Herculean effort for the like the Memphis Grizzlies would would have to basically be one of the top two teams in the Western Conference. They'd have to be some Hawks situation where like they're just number one, and because all these other teams just were coasting and they don't really care about the one seed, and Memphis goes for it and they get it. If the Memphis got the one seed somehow, then like maybe we could start talking about John Morant is is the MVP because the the voters like have to give it to him. But the, the scenario where he wins it is just like it's like it, it's a dream, you know. Yep. There's no the the only real precedent I think for it is Derrick Rose in 2010-11, and I I mean Rose was I think more impactful at that point. You know the numbers when you look back aren't really overwhelming. He was at like 25 points, almost eight assists, 45% from the field, 30 33% from three. But that Bulls team was really good. He took a major leap from year two to year three, and and it does feel like Morant is following that kind of trajectory, but. Even over a decade later, people still look back and say, yeah, that probably should not have been Derrick Rose's MVP. <laughs> like if everybody right, was or, not just mad at LeBron, that goes to him easily. Yeah, that's – dude, I, I, we're we're already looking back on – people look really stupid for not betting – or for not uh, awarding LeBron James MVP. I'm not a LeBron stan, but I think it was ridiculous that people did – like we didn't give him MVP because, because of voter fatigue. Like that was a real thing. That was a real – like LeBron James was clearly the best player for like – I don't know, a good six-year stretch. And he, he should have won way more MVPs. And I feel like it was like, well, you know, he'll, it's like it's like a, a, a kid putting off his his paper yesterday. It's like, oh, well, you know, he'll win it next year. Like, not right, not my problem right now, you know? Well, and granted, then all LeBron of a sudden, win the next two. yeah, I mean, he's won, I mean, he's won MVPs, but like the bottom line is that he, he should, he should have won more. And oh, it's too late now to, to, you know, make up for not, not awarding him more MVP awards. But he very clearly was the best player in the league for like ever. And he's only won four MVPs. I just, I feel like he, he could have easily won six or seven, but anyway, that's, I, I agree with you. I think that there, there is a scenario where, you know, the Lakers do, they get Anthony Davis back. And also by the way, uh, a sneaky narrative right now is LeBron's been so good as a small ball five for the Lakers. They've been winning games because LeBron's been so good playing center, which is, a, it's all, it's, it's whole, it's a whole nother, you know, catastrophe right like the anthony davis is going to come back and ruin the lakers is anthony davis going to come back and ruin the lakers but right. like it's just <laughs> i i don't know man like the, the fact that he's leading this team right now and he's looking really good that 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 does open the door a little bit i agree with you and like maybe russell westbrook figures it out i mean he's not going to but like maybe you know so I, mm-hmm. it could happen well it's all about the age look if he was doing this at age 28 it's not you know the story is just wow the lakers are terrible but and and right. I've said this on this pod to to James Anderson, who I host with, and we, we've talked about this a ton of times. I always come back to, like, LeBron is a master at separating himself from the rest of the narrative, right? Like, the Lakers suck, but LeBron doesn't suck. It's like they're 
he's the only only thing that's making them semi-respectable. You know, like nobody's really holding this season against LeBron. I mean, you could hold some of the moves that they made, him right. you know, signing off on bringing in Russell Westbrook against him. But when the Lakers lose, LeBron takes no heat. It all goes on Westbrook, and, and in many ways, rightfully so. But that's where I feel like there's going to be a disconnect where there, there will be people who are more than willing to overlook, you know, the Lakers going 43 and 39 or whatever they finish. And they'll say, man, if, if LeBron didn't play like he would have, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. You know, the, that narrative yeah. is going to be out there. Uh, let me just throw two ridiculously long odds at you that okay. I want that I'm also interested in. I'm interested in LaMelo Ball at plus 20,000. Wow, okay. And uh, and and Paul George as well at plus twenty five thousand plus twenty five thousand um because I mean I it, it, I guess it all depends on when he comes back but like Lamelo Ball to me it's like the Hornets actually no that it's ridiculous we just said the same thing about John Morant that he's not the MVP of the league but I mean the Hornets he really is um I think very important to that team and that team could easily be like a top five team in the East so that's that's why I was slightly interested but it's also like one of those scenarios where I would just want it because when he's like you know, if he ever gets to like plus a thousand or something, like I'd cash out of the bet or whatever. But, yeah. um, yeah, that I mean, I don't, I, I just, I think the crazier things have happened, and I, I also was so high on Paul George for MVP early in the year, and uh, I'm so disappointed at what's happened. Mm-hmm. But if he came back, like, you know, soon, yeah, maybe. If he he needs to be back within like two weeks, or I think the clock is up on just missing That's too true. much time at that point. I, the one the one last guy I'll sell you on, and then we'll, we'll finally move on. We'll, we'll probably only have time for one other award. But Chris Paul lingering at 60-1 to 1 right now on by far the best team in the league, clear of the Warriors by three games right now. You know, there's, there's very little precedent for someone, especially in this current era, with the type of numbers that Chris Paul has, which are 14 points a game, 10 assists per game, uh, but he, he is just under two steals. I mean, the percentages are always great. There, there's not a lot of precedent for someone with, you know, ha- like half the numbers of LeBron and Jokic and Giannis winning MVP. But again, in a weird year where these other guys with the good numbers are not on great teams, I, I could see some people pivoting and, and looking at this as somewhat of a lifetime achievement award for Chris Paul. I mean, his numbers aren't that different from when Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs. And granted, the speed of the game was different. You know, every, a lot of things were different in the mid 2000s. So I get that. But 60 to one to me for I, I think like the the clear figurehead on the best team in the league. I, I think there's some value there. I, I I agree with you. I mean, I thought we were also you you also tried to sell me on that for Chris Paul Finals MVP. If you don't That's recall, right. you're like this is th- you you literally said the. You literally said the words, this is Chris Paul's Lifetime Achievement Award, is yes. him winning the finals MVP, and they didn't get it. I'm now pivoting to this MVP. You got it. You got it. You definitely – you always have to pivot. You always got to stay relevant. You always got to figure out a way to push Chris Paul odds on mm-hmm. us. Um, Sure. I mean, maybe. I I, I just I, – I, I don't know if the Suns are – I just don't think – I just don't know if he's going to make that large of an impact in the next three months. Like, the Suns are there. The Suns are a good team, and I just don't see him – you know, putting up ridiculous numbers for them. Like, I think he's just, he's going to kind of preserve his body and, and, you know, he's obviously out there every night playing, but you know, I don't know. Like if we're going to talk about someone at, at six, six to one or 60 to one, why not Luka Doncic at 50 to one? Like why, why not this, the Mavericks have found it lately. They're playing good defense. Obviously they found, they figured out how to play defense when Luka Doncic was out of the lineup, but the Mavericks to me are, uh, that that is that is about as as long as I would go because the Mavericks to me are a team that that could definitely push for a, a top five spot in the West if they continue to play like this, 
which I, I don't know if they will, um, but they have gotten better, you know, usage out of, uh, out of Chris Tass Porzingis. Jalen Brunson's been great for them starting at guard now. Like I think they sort of figured out their backcourt and may, you know, maybe, maybe this team continues to play well. And then if they do, you're talking about a guy that, that definitely is one of the three best players in the NBA or one of the five best in Luka Doncic, a guy that's a bona fide MVP candidate. So that, that, that to me is a very interesting one. I do like that, you know, under the guise of, you know, who's going to play the best over the last 40 games? Because we've seen this from Luca over the last two seasons right. where, you know, he, he I, I think this was the second straight year where he opened up as the MVP favorite back in October and got off to a slow start. You know, the ankle cost him a few games here and there. And all of a sudden he seemingly falls out of the race. And then you look up and from mid-January through mid-April, he's averaging like 29, 10 and 10. And you know, based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks, it, it looks like it's heading that way once again. So that's a good call. Uh, do you want to talk rookie of the year or coach of the year? We only have time for one. Ooh, um, let me see. I don't even have the odds in front of me, so I, I don't. Why don't Why don't we talk about both really quick? Let's be really because okay. I don't. I really. I don't think I really have like great thoughts on either. So I'll just. I'll just. I'll be like. I'll nod in approval and we'll move okay. on. Okay. All right. Setting the expectations high. I like it. Let's Let's go rookie of the year first. We got Mobley at minus one forty, putting a little bit of a distance finally between he and Scotty Barnes, who's three to one. Kate Cunningham. Plus 550, Franz Wagner, 9 to 1. Uh, then you get into oh, the. Franz Wagner, definitely. That would, that would I mean, I'm not. Well, I mean, no, I'm, I'm joking, but also he has been really good. But uh, no, that was a joke. I, I do I do, I do, do think that he is. He really surprised me. But I think it's pretty clearly Evan Mobley's to lose at this point, right? Like, I think he's. I think oh, he's. I, I don't know. I don't know. I really just don't know if I could get interested in anybody else because, like, the only, honestly, the only guy down here who I feel like, you know, no, I was gonna say something about Josh Giddy, like I, I like him, but like the Thunder aren't, the Thunder aren't, uh, aren't really good, and no, they are not. Giddy's in the same territory for me as Wagner, where it's like, yeah, he's way better than I thought he would be, but my expectations same. were super low, so I'm. I I'm, think he's gonna be good. I really think he's gonna be a good player, and like I oh, didn't, sure. I just, but I didn't really know much him. about him coming into the draft. Like I, I don't think anyone really did, but like, yeah, it's hard. It's just really hard to contend with an impact player on a team that's going to be in the playoffs that is, you know, I, I mean, and, and this good at defense, right? I just think that none of these other guys make the impact. I mean, he makes a giant impact on his team. And I just think it's, I think it's pretty clear that he, that, I mean, look, I would definitely wouldn't rule out Cade at plus six, 600, but I, I just think that Mobley is going to be front and center uh, in a lot of big games and it's going to be really hard to not give him the award. It depends how people vote. I, I think the more you look into impact stats, it's going to point toward Mobley very clearly, um, especially you know the, the more wins that the Cavs reel off, the more credit he's going to get, and rightfully so. If you just look at counting stats, the one guy I could see making a run is Kate Cunningham because he got off to that terrible start, was injured to begin the year. But you look at like last 15 games, I mean, 18 points, five assists, or five and a half assists, five rebounds, one and a half steals, percentages are good. He's starting to hit a ton of threes. Like I, I think his last 40 game numbers are going to look really good. The problem is the Pistons are going to win like 21 games and the Cavs might win 55. So to me, that's just way too big of a difference. Yeah, and, and um, I, I agree with you. Like I think that I think that he he might have I, I, his scoring has been so inconsistent. You know, as someone who's looked at his player props yeah. like constantly and, and tried to buy 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 and sell a million times. Um, 
but you know he is the only guy that really scares you here because like of what you said like he, he could just all of a sudden average 30 in the last two months of the season because he's he's that good but yeah i think i think it's pretty clear that mobley gets it um i'm also not hosting the podcast but i do want to i do want to talk about this coach of the year situation because okay um i i, I i'm interested to know and i guess i'm taking over now if you you nick would take Mike Malone at plus 10,000, considering you love the Denver Nuggets. What if the next three months are just all about the Nuggets? What if they push towards the top of the Western Conference and Mike Malone, you know, there he is on the bench. We know he's a good coach. What do you think? I love being on the other side of this. I'm seeing him at 45 to one too on, on oh, DK. So there's there's some that's, massive value here. I, I do think they, now, they I, need this to is a, I'm looking at Vegas Insider, so maybe I'm okay. maybe I'm oh yeah I, I got where are you looking at your odds? I'm looking Let's at the sportsbook because I sports betting is now legal in New York New York and I'm looking at the NBA and I only see team futures I don't see hmm. other futures so anyway continue I mean, I'll I'll try to look for some okay well I'm seeing them at 45 to one so if you like him at 10 to one I sure hope you still like him at 45. He was one of my my shortlist guys coming into the year. I, I think Denver needs to play a hell of a lot better to to get the win total up. You know, he's not going to get the man. What a great coaching job without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter. He's not going to get that sympathy if they finish the year forty and forty two. Like you got to you got to be at least what five six seven games over five hundred. But I, I think then that narrative comes into play of you know you're without two of your three best players for at least probably seventy to eighty percent of the season. And if they get like the four or the five seed in the West, I, I think that's absolutely going to become a narrative. I, I actually can't believe he's all the way down at, at 45 to one. I don't know how like, you know, Nate McMillan is, is ahead of Michael Malone right now. I think Taylor Jenkins at seven to one makes a lot of sense. I think there are a lot of seasons where he would be the like runaway favorite right now, given that the Grizzlies are, are the story of the league. They, they won 10 in a row. They you know, are climbing up the Western Conference standings. All of a sudden they were in like third place for a little bit. Um, it's kind of crazy to me that he's fifth in the odds, but you know, I, I you kind of have two other coaches in Billy Donovan, who's four to one, and then JB Bickerstaff in Cleveland, who's also four to one. Like those guys essentially have the same narrative going, but it feels like they maybe built up a little more steam. You know, like the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Grizzlies have all had similarly surprising seasons. Uh, I, I think of that three, I like Bickerstaff the most though right now because it, it still feels like the Cavs are ascending more and more, and and I think a lot of those teams ahead of them in the East like we talked about earlier, are, are are kind of either dealing with injuries or just not looking all that good. So I, I think Cleveland, what it's doing right now is more sustainable than what Memphis is doing. And, and we're already seeing Chicago take some steps back amid their injuries. Yeah, um, I, I I could I could see that. I mean, yeah, obviously it's it's an easy sell that Billy Donovan's not going to win it with what what Chicago is going through right now. Um, and and I love Bickerstaff. I, I think that, well, I mean, first of all, I, mean, I love him as a coach, but like I love I love this bet. I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are the team that definitely they, they most resemble the Knicks uh, from a year ago. And and it's not because I'm a Knicks fan it's because Tom Thibodeau won coach of the year because the Knicks had no expectations. People, you know, this was a team that was very much in a rebuild. They did not have many expectations for, for what was going to happen. And what ended up happening was that the Knicks made the playoffs and they won a playoff game and, and they looked strong. They looked really good. They looked like a team that would have won the series if they didn't run into a, a ridiculously hot Hawks team. Cleveland's the same way. I don't think anyone coming into the season was like, yep, Cleveland's easily making the playoffs and they're, you know, they're going to play great defense and, 
I mean, this is this is a legitimately good team. And yeah, I think that you have to I think Bickerstaff has to be in the conversation more so than really a lot of these other guys. Um, I, I think I, I think he has as good a chance as anybody else. But I definitely think, yeah, Mike Malone, I'm with you on him. And I'm definitely out. On, I can I bet on Mike Budenholzer to get fired. I, I really want to do that. I just don't understand how he's <laughs> After get the job. extension. I don't think so. No, I, I don't. I think that um, he's. I I really. We were talking about how I I thought he should be the first coach to ever win the finals and then lose his job. I mean, I I just don't think he's a very good coach. But maybe Doc Rivers. I don't know. Probably not though. People thought Philly was going to be good, right? But. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I could kind of talk myself into that actually. Cause I think everyone kind of wants doc rivers to win another, uh, to win coach. Has he won coach of the year before? He has He's definitely right? won it before. I think he won it yeah. all the way back in the day with Orlando. Really? Well, yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that vote the old, the old voters probably want him to win it again. And the narrative of this podcast has been, the Clippers are going to have a good finish. The, the, the Sixers are going to have a good finish. The Nuggets, so if you believe in this Sixers run right now, and I'm sure that Doc Rivers is no longer plus 15,000, but I personally think that he's gotten a lot out of this team. And I also recent, I also earlier in this podcast said I hated him and think he's a bad coach, but he could win this award for sure. I mean, the Sixers could be right up there as one of the top two teams in the East, especially with this Kevin Durant injury. So I, if, if you're looking to invest your money and make a smart bet, I think I think that is pretty good value. I don't what, what is he now and where you're seeing? What I'm seeing is Doc Rivers at 30 to one. Okay, so I don't know what I'm looking at. Well, this is again, this is it says it's subject to change, but it says January 17th, 2022. So I don't understand. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, these are bad MGM odds, but it doesn't. It certainly doesn't feel like it certainly doesn't feel like they are current, just because that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big discrepancy. Yeah, well, we'll have to do some more vetting Ooh, next time. The word, there, there the, word I was, the word I was trying to remember before was cognizant. Cognizant, okay. I'm that's, cognizant that's of the fact see. that, uh, yeah, I don't even remember. I, I said I was cognizant about a lot of things. Yeah. Like the Ben's, well, like, well, what yeah. was the word you used? Acknowledgeable? No, no, no. I, I, I think I used wise. I was like, okay. I'm wise to the that fact that. Yeah. But no, that's that's a that's a way better one. Okay. Um, well, th- this is yeah. a good. Uh, this is a good bet to end on. I, I like the the Doc Rivers call. Putting your personal biases aside, I mean, we've seen bad coaches win coach of the year before. Mike Budenholzer has won it twice in the last decade, uh, if you needed any more proof of that. And I, I also think with Rivers, you know, having to deal with the Ben Simmons situation, I think will be a mark in his favor for some people, you know, even though he basically just dismissed it. But the fact that he's had to answer questions about it every single week for the entire season, um, like especially if they don't end up making a move and Simmons doesn't play a single game for them, and then they finish second in the Eastern Conference. I think that factors in for him as well. Yeah, he, he quite literally deserves an award for that. Yes, yes, I agree. exactly. For having to answer all, right, all those questions. We got to put a bow on this. Good luck to your Jets this offseason. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm currently trying to, I've, I've like read and listened to anything I could find that's going to tell me that the Packers are going to beat the 49ers. I'm extremely nervous about Kevin King trying to tackle Debo Samuel. And Jair Alexander coming back after like 13 weeks off trying to cover George Kittle. Uh, but the Jets have two top 10 picks. The Jags got the top pick for the second year in a row. Uh, it's going to be a fun offseason. Yeah, that's this is where uh, the Jets won the offseason last year or, or we're one of the winners. And uh, we'll do it again. We're ready. I'm, th- th- this is I'm more excited for the offseason every year, it feels, than I am for the regular season because there's so many possibilities with these two picks. 
the Jets could could package them together and get a great edge rusher. They'll probably end up getting another offensive lineman and a wide receiver. I mean, it's just, I just think I say it every year and I'm just like, someone's got to put me out to pasture at, at a certain point, but I just am really, I think it's a great, I think that this is a, this is a turning point. I think it's going to be a great off season. It's a good time to be a Jets fan. I think I really do. I think that they're finally making some good picks. The last draft class was good. The draft class before that, not that good, but uh, it's, it's, it's coming together. The line, the, the offensive line was, was pretty good last year. One more piece that, that offensive line rebuilds done. And and once you have a good offensive line around a, a guy with a lot of arm talent and you got some wide receivers, who, by the way, Zach Wilson had to play the entire season, like basically without his top three receivers. Yep. The Jaguars' I, number one receiver at the end of the year was Laquan Treadwell. So I, I understand right. your point. And I mean, you know, I, 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 Carl Lawson getting hurt before the season. I mean, I'm going on a rant. That was people don't realize who don't live in New York or aren't Jets fans like that was a huge injury. That guy was i mean he was doing things in training camp I, I i have a friend who who works with the jets and and he was just telling me like and all the reporters were talking about how he was winning every day he was winning practice he was just killing the offensive line and it was like this guy was going to break the sack record it was it was that crazy his his preseason was that crazy he looked like he was going to be an impact player in the year he might be one of the best defensive players and then he got hurt and was out for the season and it just felt like the whole season ended on that day so mm. You know their defense was the one of the worst was the worst in the league, and I think him coming back would be helpful. And I think that they just need to add a few guys in the draft, and um, you know maybe in free maybe in free agency. And then I think that you got a team. So a lot of you know the Bengals turned it around, Chargers turned it around. Actually, they didn't really need to turn it around; they were already good. Why not the Jets? Yeah, step one, have a good draft. Step two, have a good free agency. Step three, re-sign Chris Ivory. I think you're good then. I was thinking about Isaiah Kroll, actually. I think that Isaiah Crowell. I think they should. Uh, what a one-two punch that was. Clyde Gates. Uh, there's oh, been yeah. some pretty bad, pretty bad players. I, I yeah. that is another thing though. Michael Carter, he's good. Michael That's Carter's the thing good. about people. People don't realize it's very unlike. It's very un. Uh, uncommon that a team that's so bad has such a great offense. But the Jets legitimately had a good offense last year. They really did. Like they, they, I mean, they showed it against some good teams like the Bengals and Titans. But they, they, you know, they had a lot of injuries. But they had, they found themselves a really good running back. Their line is pretty much almost there. And and Wilson started the season badly and got memed. But his close to the season was pretty good. It was pretty dang good. And yeah, you know, maybe he's not on Justin Herbert level quite yet, or maybe he's not on mac jones level but you know he can get there they got a lot of talent on that offense and they just gotta they gotta shore up that defense a little bit i, I think people were so down on the jets like mid-season that a lot of people just stopped paying attention and didn't realize that they were actually quite a bit more competent over the last five or six games but uh, i'm gonna have oh. to slap like a disclaimer on this podcast that it ends with 10 minutes of jets and jaguars discussion you app you you should and also you cut out so i thought you had just you just killed the podcast completely <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought you were. I thought you were done. I thought you were done with me. You're just like I. This, I can't listen to this guy talk about the Jets anymore. I mean, I, I'm. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to all the comments, all the hateful comments that I get. So, people, people telling me that Tobias Harris's contract <laughs> isn't bad. That you know Jamal Murray. How could you insult Jamal Murray by comparing Tyrese Maxey to him? Yep, looking forward Man, to you it. You got to batten down the hatches. It's gonna happen.
All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. As always, I can assure you that there will not be another like six month gap between this and your next appearance on the pod. Uh, we'll get that in the work soon. I'm very much looking forward to that. It is great to spend some time with you as always. And I will see you the next time we have one of these pods. I'm, uh, I'm always, always around to talk some hoops. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com